Hey there, you have found another episode of Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I am so excited because I get to host this podcast. My name is Tom Singer, and today we are going to talk about pivoting from keynoting to having a training business with long-term contracts and hiring other people to deliver your content. And our guest is Kara Saletto. Kara, welcome to Speakernomics. Hey, Tom. I'm so, so, so excited to be here today. Oh, we're so excited to have you. And we're going to talk about how do you pivot over to building a full-fledged training business. So before we get started, what are your two tips for speakers who want to expand from just keynoting into this type of training company? Number one, take your expertise and build a boot camp. And number two, Hire other great trainers and don't be a control freak. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be a control freak. So that might be a stretch for some of our listeners. So we're going to have some fun unpacking those tips. But for those of you who don't know Kara, and, and I don't know how you don't know her, she's such a nice person. She spends all of her time focused, like super focused on reducing employee turnover. And that is a big deal in the economy we're in for companies. And so she has become the expert on how to build better places to work. So Kara, let's talk about your career in speaking. You started off doing keynotes. Let's talk about your your keynote business before you started this training company. Yeah, so I actually started my career almost 20 years ago as an association event planner, ah. hiring people <laughs> like you, Tom. <laughs> well, thank you. So. Thank you. Those are, those of us in the speaking world ap- appreciate people who hire people like us. So thank yeah. you for having done that. <laughs> so yeah, when I was about 22, I saw keynoters on the stage and said, I'm going to do that someday, but I had no credibility and no message. So then fast forward about 10 years later, and I started my own consulting business and really went after the keynote opportunity, uh, focusing primarily on generational dynamics because I'm one of the oldest millennials. So I did a lot of the generational stuff first. And then we realized people needed to bridge generational gaps because uh, it was causing unnecessary turnover on their staff. So we really, the last five years or so, focused um, more broadly than generational on all things turnover, but stayed very laser focused on nothing but why people leave and how to keep them longer. So we also realized um, a few years into that, after keynoting, I was personally um, just sad that I got to only plant the seed from the stage. And then I would never see these people again and say, good luck implementing what I taught you. <laughs> and I realized that if I really wanted to see it through and make sure that more people got to the results that we were promising from the stage, that we had to go back and visit them more often and help water that seed until it was time to harvest and get those great results. So that's why we made that transition. So, but one of the problems with going from doing the keynote and delivering a great speech, getting the standing ovation, having everybody give you those accolades and then saying bye-bye is if you have to go back and do intense training, that often can be all day, two day, multiple day. It could be ongoing contracts. It could be traveling the country for one company to 11 different locations. And that's hard for somebody who also has the keynote schedule where you're jumping on a plane, flying in, doing your keynote, flying home. And then I assume you have loved ones at home who'd like to see you once in a while. So where did, the, where did the shift come from 
you know, a lot of people in the speaking business, the holy grail for so long has been that keynote. I always make a joke that 20 years ago or 15 years ago, when I got involved with the National Speakers Association, it might as well have been called the National Keynote Association because that was the focus of the industry is you wanted to be that 15 or $25,000 or whatever keynoter. But now everything has changed. And even within the National Speakers Association, there's so many ways that people can use their spoken word, use their voice as their revenue generator, that it's no longer just about being that that fancy big stage keynoter. It's, it's training, it's podcasting, it's coaching, it's consulting. So now culturally it's changed a lot. But, but how did you make that leap personally from the queen of keynotes to saying, I want to have a training business and then let's talk about adding people to that business. Yeah, great question. So we decided actually in 2018, believe it or not, in 2018, I heard all the economists talking about a future recession. And I told my team, so I'm one of those crazy people. I actually hire staff. I do not like to be a one-man person, one-man team. Um, so I have actual um, W-2 employees that are on my team. And I told them, if, if we're going to protect your jobs, we can't make it through a potential recession or another downturn if we're just keynoting, right? And, so we- and you weren't even thinking global pandemic. Heck no, I wasn't thinking global pandemic. Nobody was using those terms, right? They were just talking about, I mean, go back and look, 2018, 2019, all the economists were saying, we're booming, we're booming, this can't last forever, and it's going to have a downturn. We don't know who it's going to hit and how and when, but it's going to be probably 2020, 2021, maybe 2022 at the latest. So that's why in 2018, we decided to build a six-month training boot camp on our expertise topic of reducing employee turnover, and it includes the generational class and, you know, all the stuff we had been teaching as one-hour keynotes and as little 90-minute breakout sessions or a half-day pre-conference workshop. You know, we had all these piecemeal things, and we realized that if if we were going to get through the next recession um, successfully, we had to have big deposits. And Tom, there's, the only thing I like better than a keynote deposit is a bigger six month training deposit because it's way bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so really, are, are you always this much of a visionary? Like, oh, we have to be able to survive a downturn. We need to have this this bigger ticket item that, that goes long term. And then in 2020, the whole speaking world shut down. And I will say that while many things went virtual, the training business was able to sustain itself quicker and better in that virtual pivot, to use that word. Um, are you that much of a visionary or did you get a little bit lucky? <laughs> well, I, I will say I have a secret tool in my back pocket that most speakers don't have. And I got my MBA in entrepreneurship. And so they constantly were teaching us for that two-year program that I did 10 years ago, they were constantly teaching us, watch the market, listen to the market, solve a costly business problem, right? When I started 10 years ago, I didn't say, I want to be a retention expert in 10 years when retention is going to be the top issue. 
I didn't do that. I just went out as a generic consultant. I just want to help businesses grow is what I said. And then as I listened to the market, I heard all the rumblings about the generational frustrations. And then it became, why are so many people quitting? Why are so many people job hopping? Why does no one have loyalty and commitment anymore? And I will say that part of the reason I'm in the right place at the right time is because five years ago, I was watching the market. I was listening to the market. I was projecting and predicting what are going to be the issues in the next five to 10 years. And even, even the workforce numbers, workforce shortages in certain industries, uh, all the boomers retiring, you know, all these different things that were happening. So I will tell you, I mean, I, I stay up on that stuff. And I, I do think my team would label me as a visionary of thinking much bigger and broader than just what we offer today. Where do we need to be in two years or five years? And I'm always thinking like that. It's kind of a blessing and a curse. <laughs> so, the, <laughs> so there's a lot of people listening right now who are thinking, wow, an MBA in entrepreneurship would have come in very handy. I, I wish I wish I had done that 10 years ago. To make a callback to influence 2021, geez, Kara, it must be nice to have an MBA. It must be nice to have an MBA in entrepreneurship. So, yeah. so you watched the market, you listened, and that's something that even if people who are listening to this episode don't want to start their own training company, that piece of advice that you just gave about watching, predicting, listening, mm-hmm. you know, and making plans for what you can do next, that, that helps us all no matter what our business models are like. But I want to jump into this idea of now you're making that pivot. And your first piece of advice was build a boot camp. What, what, what does that even mean? What, I mean, when, when I think of boot camp, you know, I'm thinking of the military or I'm thinking of some weekend at some guru's house that they've got people on. But you <laughs> built a boot camp for companies to hire you for a six-month or longer contract Tell us about the boot camp and what that means. Yeah, so you can call it an institute, an academy, a university, you know, whatever. And some people think boot camp is short and intensive, where we were thinking boot camp is is just um, a little bit longer than that. And it is more intense than just a one-time visit for training. We built a six-month program called the Workforce Retention Boot Camp. Nothing fancy in that. It says exactly what it is. And we focus on managers, mid-level managers and above. So the directors and even senior leaders for this. But what we did is we took all of our content from the keynotes and the first step is you just have to build workshops out of your keynote. So for every one hour workshop, different people have different formulas for this, but I can easily create a half day, if not a full day from a keynote. If I just take every 10 to 15 minutes of brilliant content that we have in our keynotes, right? You take every 10 to 15 minutes and then let them talk about it. That is the hardest part for me. In fact, I know I'm a better keynoter than I am a training facilitator because I talk too much <laughs> and I have to work on that. And, so and I think take- I think that's something a lot of our listeners uh, and, and people in our industry can go, oh, I totally understand what you're talking yes. about there. So sometimes I've had people ask me, how do you create three whole hours or six whole hours on that one topic? And I go, no, 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 no. It's the same exact content as your one hour keynote, but now you're letting them talk. So you talk for 10 minutes, you let them talk about it and discuss it for 20 minutes. And then you talk for 10 minutes and they talk for 20 minutes, right? So it's kind of just a back and forth. You have to build in some discussion questions and some activities and whatnot, but poof, you've turned your one hour into a three or six hour 
workshop. Then most of us now, if we've been doing this a while, we have more than one keynote, right? So you've got a key. I had a keynote on generational dynamics. I had a keynote on how to reduce turnover. I had a keynote on um, new hire and onboarding strategies, right? Because people had specifically asked for that. I had a breakout session about this, a breakout session about that. And when I really looked at it, I had five or six different days or half days of programs. And then I packaged those into a beautiful, you know, step one, step two, step three kind of approach. Then when I ran that past my clients, they said, well, it has a communication class in it, doesn't it? (laughs) And I said, yes, it does. Exactly. (laughs) I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Class seven, class seven. That's our communication module. (laughs) Because I hadn't typically done general communication strategies or breakout sessions because I felt like eh, other people are doing that, right? I'll, I'll stay true to re- retention stuff. But when I realized that communication was one of the expectations that they had, if we're going to reduce turnover, I started to just build out, okay, what else did they want? I've got all these, you know, I had about four or five modules coming into the eight part boot camp, and I let them tell me what they wanted. So then some other people asked, well, does it include um, behaviors, something like disc or yeah, yes, it, yes, it does. I bet was yes, the answer. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. So I went and got disc certified, right? And then, um, and then included some assessments in the program. Then not only do we have our model, you know, this doesn't have to be for everybody, but our model is it's eight half day classes. But if we're getting on a plane and going somewhere to teach it, which is what often happens, we do two in one day. So it's really four days of going to visit them. And with our program, like I said, we want to water the seed over time. We don't want to cram that into four days in one week. We go back every four to six weeks with a new day of two classes to learn so that they have time to implement it, hit some roadblocks, ask for our help, and move to the next level. Um, Then we decided to help them keep the momentum and continue the discussion throughout that six months we sprinkled in some homework um, and we made little two minute challenge videos. They're super simple. They just say, at our last class, we talked about this concept. This week, I challenge you to find this happening in your organization and address it, right? Uh, That's kind of the general model for that. And then, so throughout the six months, they get eight classes, they get eight challenge videos, they get some group coaching calls in between some of the sessions, they get the assessments, We made a beautiful workbook that's like a fill-in-the-blank kind of workbook that goes with each of the modules. And now we're selling that at far higher than what four keynotes we could charge for, you know, which is really the dates on the calendar that this program is taking off of our, our me or a trainer's calendar. And the other advantage to this model is the dates are somewhat flexible when you're working ding, with the ding, company. Ding, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Give, <laughs> give, Tom, a, give Tom a free drink. Uh, because I find that that's one of the things I like about doing uh, a little bit of training inside companies. Uh, although I, I focus mainly on keynoting and emceeing, what I like about the training is they call, first of all, it's usually shorter term. So a keynote, they might be booking you a year out. But with this, they're like, can we start in two weeks? And then the other thing is, yeah, I'm not available on Tuesday. It has to be Thursday. And they're like, Thursday will be just fine. Whereas the keynote, they're like, no, it's Tuesday at noon. That's that's the time 
for the keynote, whereas this has some flexibility built in. So it's really, it's really genius whether you make the pivot to doing this or you're just adding this in, it gives you that extra that extra income level and it gives you the flexibility of time and dates and able to do it. So so this this is really this is really smart stuff. Well, thank you, Tom. And I don't want anyone to to be mistaken. I still do keynotes, but now I use the keynotes as more of a commercial, right? We hear that a lot at the NSA events. I use it more as a commercial for our boot camps and other training programs now that we have built. And it allowed me, if I feel like that engagement is lead generating, I can be much more flexible on my keynote fee um, because I know that I'm probably going to get more of these longer term engagements coming out of it versus a keynote that's not lead generating. That is not our target market. Then you're going to have to pay my full fee keynote price to get me out there for that day. So I love I love all this. So let's move on to your second tip, which is hire great trainers and don't be a control freak. So let's start with the first part of that. Hire great trainers. How how do you go about finding the right people to train your content? Yeah, so there's a whole world of amazing trainers out there that don't want to be keynoters, and they're not that uh, business model. There are also a lot of great facilitators and speakers out there who hate selling. (laughs) They hate the marketing and the selling and negotiating and contracts and invoicing, right? All of that stuff they don't want to do. So I have found amazing rock star, total A plus trainers and facilitators and speakers out there who really love what I teach. They typically come up after a session. Oh, if you ever need more people on your team, please call me, (laughs) you know, that type of thing. Um, They have to be passionate about what we teach and they have to really love and believe in what we believe in, in order to make it successfully in this space. Um, But they just have to have the right availability for us. And the price point has to be the right place. So if you've got folks who can make, I'm just making up numbers here, like if they can go make $5,000 or more themselves as a speaker, they don't want to be a trainer for me because I don't pay near that much (laughs) for a day of training. But if it's somebody who has their own, you know, consulting and coaching business and they want to use my training days to supplement that or they have a day job. Some of my trainers actually have a day job, but they don't get to go out and train and speak, which is their real passion. And they want to do that. Then they can do my job as a side hustle (laughs) and they just take a day off and go train for us with, of course, their company's permission and support for that. But a lot of companies understand that people want extra cash and want a a creative outlet if they are performers like we are at heart, (laughs) that kind of thing. So I've had several trainers over the years. Some of them have their own training and speaking businesses and we partner. Some of them have day jobs um, and everything in between. It really just needs to be the right kind of person that does have enough availability to make it worth us training them and putting them on the calendar. And how do you get them up to speed to make sure that the quality control is good? 
Yeah. So thus far, I have been able to do one-on-one training with those folks. And one of the things that the pandemic gifted us was a lot of recordings, (laughs) right? So I had some keynote recordings from past years, but especially this last 18 months, I've had to do so many pre-recorded or live sessions that were recorded in the moment. And so now I've got this whole bank of my workshops, my, you know, webinars, my keynotes in every length, every version, different industries, different audiences. And so a lot of times I can just have my trainers watch those videos. Uh, And we are building out facilitators guides. I know that we need that. um, But we just haven't formalized those quite enough yet. But that's actually on my winter to do list this year, because we're adding two more trainers right now. So when you first let people go out to your clients representing you under her company is named Mag- Magnet Culture, which I love for what you teach. It's like the perfect name. Clearly, you have an MBA in entrepreneurship <laughs> because Magnet Culture is a great name for the company based on what, what you train. Was it scary to let someone else go out without you to teach your stuff to a client that you negotiated? And the second part of your tip is don't be a control freak. So let's talk about that. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, of course it's a little bit scary. Um, It's not that I ever had a trust issue with the trainers. It was more, oh no, have I prepared them enough? (laughs) And I also learned from NSA years ago that the high fee is in the Q&A, right? Because there are a lot of folks out there who can be a copycat. In fact, one of my trainers came to me and said, I don't like to build things. I don't want to create my own stuff. I love what you do. Can I just be a copycat? Can I teach what you teach? And that was perfect for me because she watched the videos. She made her own notes and she goes out and just nails it. I mean, it's beautiful. It took her time and she's wonderful at it now. It took her time to really nail the Q&A because you have to go deeper in the Q&A and they could throw you curveballs and this and that. So right now, I have no doubt that these amazing performers and facilitators that I'm sending out there, I know that they're going to deliver the material in a great way. I just hope that I have prepared them and I continue to feed them information all the time um, to prepare them to handle the tough questions. I mean, right now we're getting really tough questions about the workforce and, you know, how many boomers have retired unexpectedly and early and what does the real nursing shortage look like today? And I heard we lost 3 million women from the workforce during the pandemic. Are they coming back? You know, that type of stuff I have to stay on top of and continue feeding this training team some of the data and some of the current events. Um, But in general, I let them deliver. And as long as they get great results from our clients, I don't care. I'm not going to micromanage them and say, you didn't do that the way I do that. (laughs) You know? Well, so I want to touch on that. Don't be a control freak thing, but you brought something up. I I want to touch on because I think it's so important for all of our, our, our peers in the speaking business. And that is the gold is in the Q and a. And so Mm. often when you do a keynote there, there is no Q and a because it's not set up that way and they don't have microphones in the middle of the room or whatever. So oftentimes we can get sort of soft on the Q&A, even if we're an expert in an area. And this is why I encourage other speakers to be guests on podcasts. And so many people will call me and say, well, you know, so-and-so asked me to be on their podcast, but I don't think they have a big audience. 
And I'm like, do it anyway. And they're like, oh, I, I, I think I'll just say no. If they don't have like 100 billion downloads per hour, <laughs> it's below me to be on it. And I'm like, how many times have you been interviewed this month? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, if you haven't been interviewed four or five times about your area of expertise, how do you know you're staying sharp? And so what you're talking about for your trainers being able to be ready to go the same thing is true for all of us. We always have to be ready to go into Q&A, even if it's not in that classroom type type situation, because that's where we prove that we know what we're talking about. So that's that's a tip you gave that actually has a bigger a bigger circle around it that can fit so many different areas. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, just this past week, because we serve so many groups in healthcare, we are industry agnostic, but a big chunk of our work is in healthcare. So I sent a whole list to my trainers about some OSHA changes that just came out, some um, Department of Health guidelines and some of our top states that we work in, you know, staying on top of those things. And every trainer wrote back, this is so helpful. Thank you. You know, because they don't have the time, right? They don't do this day in and day out like I do. They don't have the time to stay on top of all that. So you do want to make sure that you're feeding them uh, even the the latest Q&A that you've gotten from interviews, from podcasts, from facilitated discussions that you're doing. And so we also encourage our training team to send to all the trainers any tough Q&A that they are getting because then the next person goes, oh, I don't even know how I would have handled that question. And now I get time to think about it. And then when they get answered, when they get asked the question, their answer makes them sound like a rock star. So that's that's super smart. And I think collaboration amongst the team, you know, is magical. So I think that that's fantastic. But let's get back to the control freak thing. Not that <laughs> any of our peers in the speaking industry are ever control freaks, especially when it comes to their own content that they they birthed from inside of them and nurtured and put out into the world. Come on, Kara, how do you keep from being a control freak with all these trainers? Oh, I, I really think part of it is just within me because I'm actually the opposite. I delegate too much, Tom. That's my true problem in this. Sometimes I don't give enough direction. That's why I know that my job for the new trainers is, have I helped you enough? Have I given you everything you need to be prepared? Because I delegate everything. I mean, in my in my home life, right? If, if anybody has um, a, a maid or anybody that does their lawn or um, heck, we get the what, HelloFresh or Home Chef boxes? You know, I mean, I even delegate, like, just send me exactly what I need for dinner because I don't have time or interest in figuring out meal planning and things like that. So, so when you're I, saying that all of the, the grocery chains, when they introduced grocery delivery, their avatar <laughs> was just Kara. Like, who are we creating this for? We're creating yes, it for her. Yes, yes, exactly. So I, I delegate all the time. And that's part of why I have a team, because I don't want to do my own QuickBooks and my own invoicing. And I don't want to do this or that, right? So I am actually kind of extreme and and almost whatever the opposite of a control freak is. I'm like a delegation freak. What can I get off my plate? I don't want to do that either. <laughs> And it costs a lot of money to do that, but I have purposefully built my team to where I close my laptop by 515 every day. I have a seven-year-old son at home and my 
lifestyle, my work-life balance is critically important to me for my success. And so I would rather pay for those other things to be done personally or professionally, and then have my nights and weekends for my husband and my son and my mom and sister and friends and everybody else. So, so, so maybe, maybe this oh, is a future, right. maybe this is a future episode of Speakernomics where we say, how do you learn to become an anti-control freak? Uh, because like, I can't do grocery delivery because I can't delegate avocado selection. Oh, wow. Under yeah. no circumstance can anyone else pick an avocado as well as I, in fact, I have friends who like one of their kids wrote in their college essay, how they learned to pick the perfect avocado from me, because Mm. there is a difference between a rock hard avocado, a mushy black avocado and God's gift to everything that's grown on the earth. That is a perfect avocado. (laughs) Yes. Well then here's, here's what I learned. What I do best and what my greatest value is to my clients and to my company I don't outsource that. I do not delegate what I know I do best. So Tom, don't you go delegating that avocado picking because that would be a travesty for everyone involved because you are the best avocado picker there is. But picking up some Honey Nut Cheerios, come on, man. Someone else can do everybody that for knows, me. Yep. Everybody knows what Honey Nut Cheerios looks like and they can't really <laughs> screw that up. That is that is very, very true. Well, this has been so much fun <laughs> to have you on the show. Any last tips of advice for someone who wants to go and create you know, this, this training program like you have? Any, any other little tidbits? Yeah, the the biggest thing is right now and moving forward, my friends, we have to solve a business problem. It has to be something that's attached to dollars, whether you're in wellness or diversity or leadership skills, whatever that is, attach it to something that companies are losing money or losing opportunities to. And that is going to get the executive's attention because we're no longer working with meeting planners as our buyers, you know, I mean, for some of our keynotes, but for these big boot camps and other training programs, the buyers are the executives now. And to get their attention, you have to speak dollars and you have to talk to their bottom line by solving a problem. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. I know this is going to be one of those episodes where people are going to blow up Twitter and blow up Facebook going, oh my gosh, you have to listen to the Speakernomics episode with Kara Saletto because it's awesome and there's so many knowledge bombs that are being dropped through the whole thing. So thank you so much for being here and sharing so much from your heart with everybody who listens to this podcast. We appreciate you. Oh, thanks, Tom. I'm so honored and blessed to be a member of NSA and the whole family. So thanks so much for inviting me on and letting me share a few things that are working for us. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. Do us a favor. Number one, go and leave those fancy reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast love. And then make sure that you're telling all your friends in the speaker business that they have to be listening to Speakernomics. And then finally, join us here every single week. For more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money and build a better business as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.